Hello everyone, this is the Connected Family Podcast, episode number 23. This podcast is produced by Connections Family Counseling, LLC, a group counseling practice located in Quincy, Illinois, that helps build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. My name is Mark Vanderlei, and I'm your host. Today's episode is all about the second edition of Dr. Jimmy Myers' book, Toe to Toe with Your Teen, a guide to successfully parenting a defiant teen without giving up or giving in. Dr. Jimmy Myers is the visionary founder, owner, and chief executive officer of the Timothy Center located in Austin, Texas. The Timothy Center, opened in 2001, is a unique multi-campus counseling practice that focuses on helping adolescents and families find God's solutions to life's challenges. The Timothy Center also provides secure online counseling throughout the state of Texas and consultation services nationwide. As a full-time licensed professional counselor and supervisor, Dr. Myers has also served as family pastor at Life Austin and has served over 20 years on staff at two large Southern Baptist churches. In the many years of ministry to teens and their families, Dr. Myers' experience has shown him that it is never too late to turn around a family. Dr. Myers has spent more than 30 years writing, ministering, and speaking nationwide about mental health issues, sexual addiction, teenage life, and Christian family. Welcome back to the Connected Family Podcast. I am very excited to have with me here today, Dr. Jimmy Myers. Uh, We're going to be talking about the second edition of his book, Toe to Toe with Your Teen, A Guide to Successfully Parenting a Defiant Teen Without Giving Up or Giving In. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and we were just talking, you're from the Texas area, and I have family in Texas, so we're having a good time discussing what it's yes. like to live in Texas compared to Illinois, where it's snowing right now. Yes. And uh, we're going to go catch some rays later. Oh. <laughs> yeah, January is a great time to talk about the weather in Texas. About the other sure. 10 months of the year, you could fry an egg on your face. Yeah. So, But right now, it's fabulous. Right. When you're swimming in your own sweat, after you took a shower and you just yes. can't dry off, then it's pretty hard. That's this place. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm, I'm thankful to be able to talk about parenting difficult teenagers um, as not all of them are that way, but um, no matter what, the teenage years can be a challenge. And so I think as I was reading through your book, there are principles that are applicable for anyone, no matter you know what their teenager is like, I think. Yes. We, what is it? Mark Twain you know, said... Um, when a child reaches the age of 13, you need to put them in a barrel, seal the lid, and feed them through the little hole in the side. <laughs> and when they turn 16, plug up the hole. <laughs> so, uh, yes, it can be challenging. However, you know, when I go around, you know, and speak, <clears throat> only about 10% of teenagers end up being really rebellious. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you, if you, you know, always ask an audience, you know, how many of you were really, really, inevitably, it's, it's roughly 10%. Hmm. So I think sometimes parents go, oh, my Lord, here it comes. It's going to be this horrible thing. And for the most part, it's really not. Hmm. Um, you know, there's going to be some dust-ups with kids mm-hmm. uh, as they seek to form their own uh, identity and their own independence, and that's to be expected. Um, but those that are really sort of defiant, um, it's not necessarily that many kids. Yeah. And I guess that's part of, there was a chapter or portion of the book that talked about sort of assessing mm-hmm. your family and your child on kind of on a scale and trying to figure yes. out 
is this normal teen behavior right. or is this abnormal behavior? Yes. You know, all teenagers, uh, you know, are going to be so uh, entitled to a degree. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when does it become a problem? Right. Uh, and, and all of them are going to bow up against authority on occasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they ought to, they better. Uh, they, you know, that's part of the deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when does it become a problem? So yeah, a lot of times that's why we started the we started the book with, you know, let's just take an assessment of uh, is there a problem in your house or is there not? Right. Yeah. So tell tell us a little bit. Well, we kind of jumped into the book. <laughs> let's go back and if you would tell folks, introduce yourself to everyone. Tell us about your work and who you are and how we might absolutely sure. um, was uh, the first twenty years of my you know, adult vocational life. Uh, I was a, a youth minister in, in two different churches okay. and <clears throat> uh, was married the day I turned 20. Um, and just this past month, we just um, celebrated our, our 40th wedding anniversary. Wow, congratulations. And, so uh, you were an adolescent when you got married. I was a teenager one day <laughs> and I was married the next. Yeah. I would say I, I've not had one adult thought as a single person. <laughs> uh, excuse the coughing; it, the cedar's kicking it down here. That's all right. Um, but um, uh, Beth and I, we had three kids by the time we were twenty-four, and um, but uh, went back uh, when we were approaching our, you know, approaching forty, mm-hmm. and went back, got a degree uh, in psychotherapy, and. Um, we started, we opened up the Timothy Center based out of First uh, Timothy 4, 12, let no one look down on you because you're young. Okay. Um, opened the Timothy Center in 01 and got my PhD in 07. Uh, <clears throat> and my son joined me there as uh-huh. soon as he got his his degree. And um, we are now, you know, co-owners, we're partners uh, uh-huh. with the Timothy Center. And uh, it's a center that has moved from Three years ago, we were sort of more of the normal mom and pop model uh, and then went through the arduous process of getting joint commission certified and and beginning to take insurance. And we've gone from like four therapists to 25 therapists. Oh, my goodness. Seeing about 60 a week to now we're seeing 300 plus a week. Um, So it has been explosive growth around the Timothy Center over the past two or three years. Wow. That's a lot to manage and figure out. Huge learning curve, I would guess. It is that. (laughs) But lots of people that you are serving. Yeah. There is no faith-based facility in Mm -hmm. in the central Texas area that takes insurance. Okay. and so we started about a year ago offering psychiatric services that's faith-based that takes insurance. Wow. Um, and so, I mean, that's, that's like a unicorn. Yeah. And so it's, um, it's, it's been a joy. It's been a struggle because we now know why people don't do this. Um, but uh, it's, it's been really cool that we can offer the faith community down here uh, because we, we've got interns and we've got pre and post grad interns. So yeah. if, if you need pro bono, we can do it. If you just want to shell out cash full pay, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Or we'll take your insurance. We're literally at a place where literally no one is turned away, uh, oh. for monetary reasons. And, um, that's a, that's a great thing. Yeah. And it's hard to do. It's hard to yeah. make that work, but yep. that's great. You're doing it. And so then you, that's, you wrote this book. 
and this yeah. is the second edition, so it must have been a little while ago that you wrote. Yeah, he wrote it in '09. Okay. And because I don't know what I was thinking, I, I guess I thought when I started this in the early 2000s that I would just be dealing with, um, you know, some depressed kids and some kids with anxiety. But for the most part, parents were bringing in their behaviorally challenged kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I saw early on, there were these parents that are saying, well, I can find a whole lot of Christian books on parenting, um, how to have a quiet time and share around the hearth. <laughs> uh, and I can, I can find a lot of secular books on rebellious kids, mm -hmm. um, the defiant child by Douglas Riley and, and others, mm -hmm. but no, there's no Christian books that address this. Mm. Therefore, not only apparently I'm a bad Christian, I must be, you know, a bad parent, but I'm also a bad Christian because oh. apparently this is not a problem with other Christian families. Hmm. And so it was, the book was a little bit of a love letter to all those parents to let them know that you are not alone in the least. Mm -hmm. It's just a church. All we're doing is praising the Lord and I'm doing fantastic. And no one's talking about going and picking up their son, you know, from mm -hmm. school because there was weed found in their locker. Right. No one's talking about these things in the Christian community, but it's very, very prevalent. Yeah. And so it, I guess, you know, not only you're offering counseling to the faith-based Christian community, mm -hmm. also this book and it, the growth of the Timothy, Timothy Center speaks a little bit to hopefully a movement towards more talking about those types of things among Christians so. and the willingness so. to seek out help in that area, I would hope. Yes. Um, yeah, and, and <clears throat> over the past couple of years, we've we've begun a sexual addiction recovery, and that's another kind of coming tsunami that you know yeah. we kind of saw coming. And four of us went out and got a CSAT certified sexual addiction therapist, and that's another thing. And now I'm, I go around churches talking about pornography mm -hmm. and the impact of pornography and. And there would have been a time, well, for example, the third book, a couple of years, a couple of years ago in 2017, uh, co-wrote one with George Barna called Fearless Parenting. Okay. And they said, okay, what do you want to, you know, what do you want to do next? And I said, oh, pornography, <laughs> without question. And it was shut down. Uh, no publisher will publish it. Mm. Uh, no one will walk out holding a book about pornography. And so, but now... We're talking about it. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about that. We're, I think we, I think Christian parents are finally going, hey, why don't we all just take a deep knee bend and admit that none of us and none of our families are perfect. Right. Um, and there's strength in numbers. You know, we need to band together uh, and, and work through this together. Absolutely. And talking about those things that we never wanted to talk mm -hmm. about in the past is definitely a step in the right direction Absolutely, in is. that direction. And so as you're, you know, in reading your book, there were a number of concepts that I kind of, that stuck out to me that really connected with me as a parent who is moving into the teenage years. I have a 14 year old, so we're kind of a couple years into that road, Pleasure but also heart. someone <laughs> who's worked for a long time with adolescents and residential treatment and as a counselor myself. Mm -hmm. And so one of the, one of the concepts was the peace train. And talking about the, it was sort of an acronym for these are the things to be thinking about as parents in how to keep the peace. So tell us yeah. a little bit about that. Well, when you, when you do have, um, you know, a really, you know, if not a severed relationship, a pretty, you know, fragile relationship with one of these kids. And you know, we talk about how is it that, how exactly do you hug a cactus? Uh, <laughs> You know, how do you show love and affection to a kid that doesn't want your love or affection either one? 
and so, yes, you know, we talk about um, there, you know, as far as the you know, T-R-A-I-N, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's, um, it's spending time. And, <clears throat> and I do disagree with those folks that would say, um, you know, that there's no such thing as quality time. It's just uh, time, the amount of time. Mm-hmm. And I would absolutely take issue with that, especially in a time when we have um, everyone has a smartphone in their pocket uh, and social media. We can we can spend hours together in the same room and never make eye contact. Yeah. So it, it is about quality time and, and choosing. And you've got to be very purposeful about doing that. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, right. To get parents to reduce the negativity. You know, sometimes. Uh, we, we, as parents of a difficult kid, we just become no stop it, shut up machines. Mm-hmm. That's all. Anytime we're interacting with them, we're telling them, no, we're telling them to stop it. We're telling them to shut up. Yeah. Uh, and there's no, there's no real room for growth there. So you gotta, you, you've almost got to invent scenarios by which you're having positive. Now the, the communication coming back may be not as, is positive. Uh-huh. But you've got to, what is it? Because it worked. You want to give them, what is it? Three compliments for every one criticism. Or, right. Yeah. We talk about that in business management all the time, but it works exactly the same way with our kids. So yeah. reducing the negativity and then act against a type. Um, I think that's interesting because our, our children, we do this too, but <clears throat> our children will stereotype us. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they know they're they're committing a lot of as we do we're committing these cognitive distortions of i know what you're thinking i know what you're going to say i know how you're going to respond yeah um before you walk in the room i know you how you're going to look at me feel about me and so once we know that for example if i just if our kid says you never listen to me okay if that's it's that's their assumption. Uh-huh. That's really what they're they're telling themselves. And even though it's not possibly an accurate assumption, mm-hmm. um, then come heck or high water, uh, I'm going to listen. Now, uh-huh. listening is not agreeing, but I'm going to listen. You know, implementing the old active listening stuff of repeating back. Yeah. So what I hear you say is da 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 da. So you you can't ever accuse me of not listening. Right now, then the answer is no. But but I listened. Yeah. It has nothing to do with me not listening. Uh, so just acting against type and then really taking an interest in the teen's world. <clears throat> Some of us take great pride and I think it's, 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 it's not good. We take great pride in not knowing who a singer is or, oh, the Grammys are coming on. And um, <clears throat> of course I would rather gargle shards of glass than watch the Grammys. But <laughs> I mean, to, <clears throat> but to look out and go, who are these? I don't even know who these people are. Yeah. And sometimes parents kind of get this false kind of righteousness mm-hmm. uh, about them that, Oh, I don't even know who that is. Well, when we just outright reject the music that they're listening to the culture that they're, de- we're rejecting them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it at least be knowledgeable in some capacity yeah. uh, with your kids. Uh, and, and what they're, uh, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Chad, uh, he wrote the world beneath. Hmm. Ah, I can't think of his last name, but he talks about that, you know, that teens have this subculture mm-hmm. that is, is kind of intricate to their development. 
Yeah. And this is this is a world where they don't want your approval, uh, they, but just to acknowledge that it's there, uh, and that you're you're not just completely and totally out of touch, mm-hmm. is a way of building you know peace with them again. And then you know, lastly, and, and bless James Dobson's heart, <laughs> he's the one who taught us all you know that you have to seize when you, as a parent you have to seize these teachable moments. Right. And use these teachable moments. Well, my Lord, I've seen so many. They grab that like like a dog grabs a bone. And it's like every single moment of the day is a teachable moment. Yeah. And it's just, would you just stop it? Uh, you know, every time you come to a red light, well, you know, sometimes the Lord throws up red lights, my lot. Just stop it. Uh, there needs to be. But. Again, at some point, we become Charlie Brown's teacher. Yeah, just want, 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 and just let let that go, mm-hmm. and just just spend time. And you know, one of the things you know, going back to that first one of time is, you know, you create an environment. It's kind of like when you're talking about couples going on date night. Mm-hmm. That it's anathema to talk about anything difficult. Uh, you do that in here on these date nights. I don't care if you have to write out a list of neutral topics, but you don't bring up anything that's neutral. And that's the way you want this time, this very specific time with your kid to be. Yeah. Is um, is absolutely no correction. Unless he is chasing a nun with a butcher knife, do not correct. Don't yeah. rebuke. Uh, just let it go and hang out. Yeah. Just hang out. Yeah. And for some parents that can be a really difficult thing to do. Yeah. And what I love of, you know, what you're talking about in regards to that is like, just enjoy one another, mm-hmm. have, create a positive experience. I like you probably have in your career, I've run into many families that it's been a really mm-hmm. long time since they've been in the same room together and enjoyed one another. Mm-hmm. And so just, you know, even giving parents permission to not correct and not rebuke yes. and just enjoy their every single and, time. Yeah. Just I mean, it's that whole choose your battles. Mm-hmm. It's just like, come on. Uh, you know, there's, there's gotta be some things that, because we just get, we just set up this paradigm, you know, that the parent, I'm going to, I'm not going to give you an inch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just becomes so adversarial. Uh, and I'm telling you a lot of that discontent is stoked by the parent. It's, it's not just the kid. Yeah. I like, when thinking about reducing negativity, I see reducing negativity and acting against stereotype in many ways is like playing off of each other because mm-hmm. one way Absolutely. to reduce negativity is to act against stereotype. Mm-hmm. And often I see parents and I myself can find myself kind of getting sucked into some negativity where um, maybe my child or the team that I'm working with is just kind of in a bad mood or whatever. And I can begin to experience them as annoying or frustrating or yep. bothersome. And then before I know it, I'm seeing them that way, even though that's not, that's not who they are. And Absolutely. if I can be playful, um, act in that sort of acting against stereotype way, it can really be helpful to yes. change the dynamic. Absolutely. So I like that. And the, the acronym is really a nice, helpful way. Uh, to be thinking well, about especially it. if you're fond of um, Cat Stevens. Yes, I love <laughs> Cat Stevens. He's great. <laughs> yes, as anyone now under forty listening to this, going, "Who in that? What yeah, are right. they talking about?" <laughs> yeah, we've dated ourselves for sure. Yes. 
Um, and then, you know, another thing that I really enjoyed about the book is you took some characteristics of God and you said, well, what if we begin to parent in a way or with these characteristics that God possesses? Mm-hmm. And tell us a little bit about that idea and what you're thinking. Yeah, I forget, I forget where I first heard this, you know, statement. Mm-hmm. Um, therefore, just attribute it to me. <laughs> but it was, you know, we're to parent. Um, we're to be to our children as God is to us. Mm. And so, well, okay, well, how is that? Again, when I'm going out speaking, <clears throat> you know, it's okay. Well, then, well, how is God to us? And people mm. say, well, he's, he's all loving and he's all forgiving and he's all accepting and he's full of grace. And he's yes, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. What else? <laughs> and inevitably they don't come up with the attributes that God is holy. Mm and that he's just, and that he's righteous. And if, if we don't reflect those attributes of God to our children, then we're doing a huge disservice. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so <clears throat> making sure that, in, in, in fact, you know, sometimes, and this sounds very, uh, uh, you know, contradictory, but when we show grace too often, it stops being grace and becomes weakness. Mm. And, you know, God doesn't miraculously intervene every time. Mm-hmm. It's called a miracle for a reason. Yeah. Uh, it's not called a Tuesday afternoon. I mean, it's called a miracle because it is, it, it rarely ever happens. Mm-hmm. And so for us to, to do what we say we are going to do 100% of the time, and then, um, that 100th and first time we let them off the hook, we show grace when it's so unexpected. Yeah. But if they begin to expect grace from us, then again, it stops being grace. Yeah. And it becomes weakness. Mm-hmm. And, and, and parents wonder, well, they don't listen to me. Well, you taught them that. Yeah. You know, there's an old thing in counseling is, you know, there's, you know, we train people how to treat us. Mm-hmm. And so if our kids don't listen to us, it's because we train them that they don't necessarily have to listen to us. Yeah. We're going to yell at them. <laughs> we're going to threaten to ground them for a month. Uh, we're going to take away their phone for a month and they get it back the next day. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've trained them to ignore us. And a lot of that is because uh, grace has become, and let's just stop calling it grace. Mm-hmm. It's because we're just, we just don't put the effort into fulfilling discipline uh, commitments. Yeah, that connects to me to, you know, parenting with love and logic, where one of the principles is never say anything that that you're not, uh, you know, never give a consequence or talk about a consequence that you can't follow through on or are not willing to follow through on. And that's this idea of your word (laughs) has to be gold. And when you say it, even if it's, if it's slipped out, (laughs) <laughs> in a moment of anger. And if you, if you're not going to follow through on it, then you made a big mistake. Then you do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You do that. This one guy, his son, uh, keyed a car. Oh boy. Uh, and so, you know, he, he was not, he was not caught doing it. And the, the guy said, you know, well, if, if you were caught doing that much damage, you know, and da, 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 you'd go to jail until you were 18. And so I'm going to ground you until you're 18. Well, he was 14 years old. <laughs> so we just don't say things. That, you know, it's so often yeah. when, the, when the parent gets angry, 
you know, just, just things just blunder out of our mouths. Uh-huh. And, and we think, boy, are we do well, we're scaring them. And we're not scaring them. The kid's rolling his eyes at us mm-hmm. because, you know, by the time they're 14 or 15, after a few years of this, they just yawn Yeah, because they know we're not going to, to do it. Yeah. And that, so, you know, you brought up this idea of parental anger and the kid, you know, this idea that sometimes the kids make us mad and that transitions us into that topic of sometimes when we get, we get upset as parents, we get angry and we start to say things or do things that aren't helpful. And, um, there is a portion of the book that talks about managing that, helping parents walk through that. Um, what's your advice and your thoughts there? Yeah. Um, the first thing I tell parents is that nothing makes us mad. We say that enough till we start believing it. Yeah. That this kid of mine made me mad. And I'm really curious as to well, exactly how. What did, he, did he handcuff you to a chair? How was it that he forced you to respond in anger? Yeah. Um, and we know that the kid didn't <laughs> make us mad because if his behavior was causative, that his behavior caused the anger. Mm-hmm then it would be true across all time and all cultures. Every kid that does that, the parent responds with anger. And we know that's not true. You can line up a hundred other parents and you might get 70 different responses. So your anger response was your choice. Mm -hmm. It's not because the kid made you do anything, but what do we do? I mean, when we have adrenaline, you know, pouring out of our ears, Mm -hmm. what do you do? And when you're, because I grew up in a home of, get your butt over here right now, young man. You know, we're going to deal with this right now. Yeah. And again, right now, nine times out of 10 is the single worst time uh, to deal with something. Yeah. Uh, Because the kids hopped up on adrenaline, you're hopped up on adrenaline. Mm -hmm. And when we're angry, um, when we're in that state of producing, you know, the rule of thumb is adrenaline trumps serotonin. Mm. So when the adrenaline is coursing out, the serotonin is being sucked in. And so we literally aren't thinking clearly. Mm-hmm. When people get really mad, they go, yeah, punching a wall. That's my best option right now. Because <laughs> they're literally, you're not you know, thinking with, with enough neurotransmitters. So mm-hmm. the first thing for parents to do is to separate. Uh, we, we do a little thing in there called stop S T O P, um, where you want to stop and walk away. I mean, you go to your room and this is not to punish them is to give you space to call them. Um, and so if you, if you stop, you give yourself distance for a time and just let the adrenaline naturally metabolize out. Mm -hmm. (coughs) There's been a lot of times where we've gotten into arguments with our spouses and three hours later, you forgot that you were angry that's because the the adrenaline's gone. Mm -hmm. So we want to go back in and have this discussion when the adrenaline is gone out of us and out of the kid. Right. And so it gives you time to think about, okay, now what do I need to do? How do I need to respond? Mm -hmm. Uh, I mentioned in the book, this an episode with my oldest daughter where I was out of town speaking at a conference when I got a phone call that she had majorly stepped out of line. And as soon as I got off the phone, it was like, okay, well, let me, let me make some phone calls to some convents uh, around the area and see where I, you know, where can I hit her where the bruises, bruises won't show. I mean, it was all, I was just so ramped up 
Yeah. And by the time I made the three hour drive from Dallas back down to Austin, when I saw her, I just hugged her and she hugged me and she cried and I cried and now there was still punishment. You know, there were still right. consequences, Yeah. Uh, but it ended up being a very, very positive growing type of thing for both of us. Really? Yeah. So, but it was just because it wasn't handled immediately. Right. So, you know, anything you can do to separate and come back and I'm telling you to bring God into it as quickly as possible. Hmm. When you do go back to talk to him about what's going to happen, if you just say, you know, God, this is about you and your child. This is not about me and my anger or my disappointment. Mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, Lord, let me see my child through your eyes and let me listen with your ears and let me speak with your voice. I mean, if you do that, I can virtually guarantee you there will not be one F-bomb drop yeah. in, in that discussion. You know, if we go into it with that sort of spiritual perspective, it changes everything. Yeah, when we're starting to see him as a child of God and... yeah. Uh, yeah sort of something that we are stewarding as opposed mm -hmm. to raising, you know, it makes me think of, I'm one thing I'm working through and learning about in my journey as a father and someone who's attempting to disciple my children is that the temptation is to want obedient kids and to, to sort of um, focus all of my parental energy on getting them to be obedient mm -hmm. rather than focusing you know, parental energy or focus on d raising kids who have a love for Jesus and who mm -hmm. have been, who have been, you know, captivated by him mm -hmm. and have their heart pointed in that direction. And I think when we start to think about wanting the obedient children, that's when anger can sometimes really get a hold of us yes. because they're not obedient all the time. Yes. And our, our children see because they live in close proximity with us 24 seven, they see the hypocrisy yeah. of us being all ramped up about their disobedience when we're being disobedient to our heavenly father mm -hmm. all the time. They see that. Yeah. I mean, we just, Oh, I'm just shocked. I can't believe that you would do why, you know, they, they see us, yell they see us not tell the complete truth mm -hmm. they see us gossip and criticize people behind their backs and then we are flummoxed <laughs> that they might ever you know make a bad choice and i'm telling you the better our kids are the higher our expectations become for them mm -hmm. until you know if we have good kids our expectations sometimes become perfection <laughs> with them um and that is just completely unfair to that child yeah. because we're not held to uh, a standard of perfection. Mm -hmm. And yet that's what we tend to be holding them to. Yeah. And that's where I, I, we've talked a little bit about grace already this morning, but that's, I think when after having not every time, but at certain points in those most important moments, even the, the story you told about your daughter, when the reaction that's different turns into an experience of grace and they then yeah. get to from their parents experience the sort of grace that is offered to us yes. through Jesus, you know, and you know, I tell people all the time, you know, all of us have sinned. Um, I can remember distinctly, distinctly sinning. It was in the fall of 07, uh, the last time that I sinned. I mean, we've all, all of us have sinned and yet none of us have experienced the wrath of God. None of us. Yeah. We would just be a little smoldering pile of carbon if we experience the wrath of God. Mm -hmm. Therefore, our children should not experience our wrath. 
discipline and anger are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. You want to tell people we want to, we want to, our goal in discipline is to be dispassionate. You know, that policemen don't yell. Judges don't yell. Mm-hmm. Um, yelling is really a sign of weakness. It's mm-hmm. not a sign of strength. You know, policemen and judges, they don't have, you know, they don't yell because they don't have to yell. Yeah. They hold your life in their hands. Hmm. And in a way, so do parents. Yeah. And so, you know, we want to back away and just, really, it's just nothing personal, just business. You did this. We already talked about if you do this, this is going to happen. So, hey, no harm, no foul. I did stupid things when I was a kid. Uh, I still do stupid things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but here's what's going to happen. I don't have to yell and wag a finger at you um, and judge you and condemn you just to say, here's what you did and here's what's going to happen. Let's go on down the road. Yeah. And I think sometimes it it's allowing them to misbehave is part of it. Like it's when I want to set like, okay, if this, if you do this, this is going to happen. And then I want to help them avoid getting the consequence mm-hmm. by getting them to follow the rules. Yes. I'm trying to, not only set the set the boundary, but also get them to follow the boundary. I think as parents, we have to allow them to make the mistake. Well, the the kind of the you know the, the magic bullet to all of this that the, we build toward in the book is the development of a behavior behavior contract. Uh-huh. And there's so many things good about that. It really helps to drain the anger out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it sets very clearly defined boundaries and, and then exactly what will happen if that boundary is crossed. Mm-hmm. So when the boundary is crossed, there's no decision. There's no even getting angry. It's just, you knew it. I knew we all knew what was going to happen. If you cross this boundary, you crossed it. So here's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really can change the the dynamic of, you know, instead of I'm the punisher and you're the punishee, mm-hmm. it's, you know, Hey, you know what the contract says? Yeah. So you're starting to get a little disrespectful for it. So let's take a deep knee, Ben, go jog around the block. Cause I don't want to see you lose all your electronics for seven days. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not, let's don't go there. So come on, let's get, so all of a sudden, instead of you're the one in threatening and intimidating, you become their advocate. Mm-hmm. To help me, it's the, it's the again, it's the Jerry Maguire. Help me help you. Yeah, you know, so that this really bad behavior contract doesn't kick in. And I've seen it just work m- miraculously in in families with uh, with really severe oppositional defiance. Wonderful. Yeah. So we've talked through rules without relation relationship. You know, kind of a peace train idea. Mm-hmm. Parenting the way that God parents us with love, being loving, forgiving, accepting, just, sovereign, and parental anger. What are the things that, you know, if you, every parent who read the book walked away with a point or point or, or two, what would be the things that you really want them to walk away with? I want them to walk away with hope hmm. that this doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, It doesn't have to be ripping your marriage apart. Uh, My dissertation was on how raising a a defiant kid impacts the marriage. Oh, yeah. Um, And, you know, we talk so often it is uh, the marriage is collateral damage in this whole affair. 
And so you guys can get on the same page. Your child can amend his behavior. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be easy. In fact, it's going to be very difficult for a dad who's really conflict avoidant and just wants to be buddies uh, with his kids. Uh, it's going to be hard, but at least you can't say we didn't have any choices. We didn't know what to do. Yeah. We had tried everything. And inevitably, parents walk in and say that. Yeah. Well, they haven't tried everything. Um, you know, when I mention behavior, kind of, oh, we've done that several times. Well, the problem is you've never done it. You filled one out, but you never enforced it, mm -hmm. uh, uh, rigorously enforced it. And so uh, to let them know that there is hope, there is very proven, empirically supported mm -hmm. uh, uh, steps that you can take if you have a kid in this, in this area and not all hope is lost. Yeah. Okay. Certainly walking away with hope uh, for parents who, when it's really, really difficult, might have lost hope and they're having mm -hmm. a hard time seeing that for sure. So how, um, how do people find you? How would they go and find the book and other things that you've done and are doing? Um, they can look at timothycenter.com. Mm -hmm. um, that lists it. Um, that book. Um, uh, of course, you can get them on Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the second book, Fearless Parenting, the one with George Barna, mm -hmm. is also listed there on timothycenter.com. Our podcast, my son and I do a podcast called Paradox, and we talk about these type things, uh -huh. parenting, marriage, uh, all of that. Uh, and it's pretty cool because you've got an old guy <laughs> and then you've got a young guy uh, and the different perspectives yeah. um, uh, it, it, with, these, with these marriage and family and different issues. Uh, can be sort of unique. So right. all of that can be ascertained at timothycenter.com. All right. Well, I have to tell you, I love the name of your podcast, Paradox. It's like clever and like is just great. It's like I would almost go get a PhD just to be able to name a podcast that name. When, when we walked in, I, I went with Josh to his defense of his dissertation. <clears throat> and when his chair walked in the room, he saw me and Josh. And he went, oh, look, a paradox. Oh, that's kind of where it came from. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, it's been a pleasure and an honor to talk to you. And uh, thanks again. Absolutely, Mark. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to the Connected Family Podcast. We're dedicated to helping you build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. If you'd like to continue the conversation about parenting defiant teenagers, please join our Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash the Connected Family Podcast. This group consists of additional resources, discussion regarding episode topics, and support for building a connected family. You can also follow us on Instagram at Connections Family Counseling or our website at connectionsquincy.com.